Hey everyone, Jason here from your favorite Fakakta Comedy Funhouse programs. If you're enjoying this show, I have a feeling you're also going to enjoy the podcast Couch Pilots. Myself and the podcasting god, Blake Clayton, take a break from the grind and sit down on our favorite Davenport every week to watch and discuss some of the most odd and misunderstood television pilots of the past. There is such a treasure trove of bizarre viewing out there, and we're just the jerks to dig them up and make a show about it. Watch along with us and join in the conversation. Find us at fcfnetwork.com or rate the show and subscribe in iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. What's up, Metal Hand of God fans? This is Adam. So this episode's a little bit different. Wayne, Kyle, and Rum were all out of town. Well, Rum's always out of town because he's in a different town than us. But you get what I'm saying. You know, he's out of his town on this particular episode. So instead, it's me and two really good friends, two people I respect a lot. Fletch Boogie of the BSI Comics Podcast is sort of functioning as co-host on this episode. And Ted Wally, creator of Matilda, The Forces of Evil versus The Third Grade. And if you're new to the podcast or fairly new, Ted Wally's been on a couple times. He is one of my favorite people. He is... Uh, a very, very intelligent man. I quite often seek his, his advice and opinions on professional matters. Uh, if you haven't heard of Matilda, please go check it out. That'll be, uh, we'll post links in the show notes. Uh, I hope you like this episode. It's, it's not necessarily the funniest episode, but I think you'll really enjoy the discussions that we have. Uh, it's worth mentioning that this takes place in BSI Comics itself, so... Occasionally you're going to hear a little bit of hubbub, you know, uh, customers came in, they wanted to buy stuff, you know, for some reason they didn't want to just, you know, gawk at the glory that is the Metal Hand of God podcast in action. You know, not many people get to see that, but for some reason, I don't know what these people's problem were, you know, maybe, maybe they're missing like, you know, maybe they're smoking a little bit of the wacky tobacco. I just said wacky tobacco. Which makes me feel old. I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, but the, the show came out pretty well. Uh, obviously, there wasn't a whole lot of ability to edit because it was uh, a lot remote. Um, I do want to take a second to thank the Couch Pilots, uh, which you may be proud of. I just, I posted the promo that they sent us just before this, you know, and we're actually going to be sending them a promo. So we're cross-promoting. We're doing we're doing the podcasting thing, you know. We're we're a community. We're people. We got to help each other out. You got to help us out. We got to help you out. All that good stuff. And also, Diz After Dark is still you know helping us promote, and we thank them very much. Uh, can't wait to have Craig Lucas on. So, without further ado, uh, here it is. Too good, too good for uh, BSI. Yeah. <laughs> did you just change voices and go into radio mode when you hit record? Why do I do that? It looks like I'm not a aware tape of recorder. It. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> Dude, it's awesome. iOS used to have a great uh, voice recorder. <coughs> and they got rid of it and they replaced it with Gar- GarageBand, which only records like. 30 seconds or a minute and a half or something like that. I don't really understand why. And uh, so this works really well. And uh, yes, it has a very cool cassette visual. It'd be cool if they had like a Transformers logo on the cassette. Might have to stick over here, Ted. Okay. <laughs> Are we actually recording? Yeah, why not? We're sitting around talking. I don't know. I'll, heads up would be great. I literally <laughs> said like two... Two minutes ago, it was like, I'm out, we might as well start recording. you got to say, like, we're live, or don't say F. <laughs> I mean, there's no customers here right now. Yeah, but... Well, oh, it's, this isn't going to be BSI. I think the video is just going to be BSI. Oh, then what are we recording for? For M-Hog. Oh. 
Oh, you were unaware of that part of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I told you. I thought you meant M Hog style, like poorly. Oh. <laughs> I'll let you have that one. I'll let you have that one. This is the M Hog podcast, but Wayne, Kyle, and Rum are not here. They're all off on, I don't know, Mast- some some sort of masturbation. Tools. They're they're masturbating. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something Rum would do. Rasturbation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Kyle, it's actually Kyle's birthday, and it's also Fletch Boogie's birthday. No way. It's not. You're this many. It's it's an audio podcast, so no one got that joke because I just did the hands. But, you know, this is why the most hated, we're the most hated podcast in New Orleans. It's not my birthday, though. You know that. It's not? No. You told me the 13th. 14th. You said Sunday. I didn't. You absolutely said Sunday. Are you trying to tell me I lied to you about when my birthday was? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe you thought Sunday was the was the was the uh, was the fourteenth. Maybe I, I was confused about the day I was born. You you got me. <laughs> yeah, you weren't. You were a little young. You don't remember it. Well, you look confused with that shirt on. So we have Fletch Boogie, who's apparently it's not his birthday, and so we, we have take those birthday wishes back. Yeah. In uh, fact, give me back your Kyle. present. It's tomorrow. <laughs> and we have the one and only Ted Wally. Happy birthday, Kyle. Happy birthday to uh, Fletch tomorrow. And uh, so we're going to talk to Ted a little bit, but uh, you got you finally got your full volume of Matilda out on stands. Yeah, that uh, has been affectionately referred to as the director's cut or the creator's cut of the original issues. It's right on the shelf over there. Yeah, there's still plenty of copies. If you're in the New Orleans area over at BSI Comics, and you have a few other stores that, that have it too, don't you? Uh, BSI carries it. Um, More Fun Comics carries it. Uh, Crescent City hasn't carried it yet, but that's simply because I just haven't talked to the guys there yet. But I'm Do sure you have a digital? Uh, you can get it on Comixology, actually. You can get it on Amazon Kindle. Buy it in print. Buy well, print. I'm saying for for people because this is M Hog, so we ship buy it in print. Okay, call <laughs> BSI Comics. Fletch Booker would be happy to ship. No, no, seriously, okay. people. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Doug Raymond came up the other night and asked where he could get a copy of it. He wanted to buy a copy from me, and even though I make more if you buy it directly from me, buy it from the shops because I, you know, it's just. They have it in the shop, and I like them to think that they made a wise choice in carrying it. So buy from the shop if you can. Right on. So um, you haven't been on since I think like the hundredth episode. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Actually, I, I think that was the last time I was on. That was a weird episode. That was a that was a hysterical episode. There we had like I want to say twelve people on, including Vernon, who kept coming out. Yeah, he kept cutting in and out, which is was pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, so why don't you tell, uh, for, for new listeners, tell, tell them a little bit about Matilda. Uh, Matilda? Oh, Ted. Oh, yeah. Well, go, no, go ahead. I want to hear. Yeah, let's hear the Fletch you, Boogie I want to hear, hear the Bible pitch. No, you. I want to hear. You got it down. Nah, yeah, I have it down, except I don't. But, uh, I want to hear, uh, your take on it, and then I'll give everybody the corrected Bible My, pitch. my super simple take? Yeah, when people ask you, what's this about? So she's basically a little girl that's the daughter of the devil. Keep going. That's it. And <laughs> she has a evil teddy bear. Is it evil? Let's keep going. Demon. It's it's a demon, but is it you know? I will I, I uh, will no, answer all. One, I just want to hear. It's one of the good demons. It's one of the angel demons. Yeah, it's it, you know they have like the the demons, but they like protect the other whatever. And she's on a, a quest to kill her father. That's it. That's, That's all it. you got. That's what I got. That's fine. No, there's no wrong answer. I just wanted to hear how, how you describe it because uh, uh, that tells me you haven't read it. So uh, it's okay. <laughs> I most certainly read it several times. No, no, because, you know, that's, that's nothing of what happens in the book. It's like zero of what happens in the book. Uh, no, it's basically uh, you're close. So um, it's basically it's the story of the firstborn child of Lucifer. Um, she's leader of all of his armies. She has an epiphany in terms of, uh, she realizes that she's on the wrong side. 
and uh, so she sells her soul to God to get out of hell. Uh, but God assigns her the tasks of she has to learn the importance and value of the human condition. Uh, she has to stop her father from destroying all of existence, and she has to pass the third grade. And uh, she does have a little demon bear. Uh, the demon bear is not a good bear. It is a very bad, bad demon um, that has attached itself to her. And it's kind of like they have this dynamic of Calvin and Hobbes if Hobbes is trying to kill Calvin at every given opportunity. so I was pretty sure that was the subsect of Calvin and Hobbes, actually. Uh, close. But, uh, no, he... Calvin was, uh, the wisdom and common sense. Uh, no. Hobbes, Hobbes was the wi wisdom and common sense. Calvin was the, uh, impetuousness. So, uh, Bella, the teddy bear in this, is not common sense or anything like that. Just wants to, just wants to stop her and kill her. And the demon bear is actually probably the most iconic part of Matilda. Surprisingly, even though they're both called Matilda, everybody you know, remembers the bear. You have the panties, ladies. If you if you ever want panties, ladies, with <laughs> Fletch Boogie. If you've ever wanted panties, have with, with a demon bear on the front. Yeah, I think if you, uh, I think uh, you can get the g-string panties, and you could use it as like a banana hammock. I think they fit. They do. <laughs> we figured yeah, you'd know. Yeah, see, I, all this time I thought he'd order them for uh, Mrs. Boogie, but apparently not. So. There's a little seepage. It looks like a sight and gum sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. So <laughs> gross. Well, you know, it's funny because it's true. So, And uh, it's voodoomaverick.com. Correct. For everything. If you're, if you're not in New Orleans area and you can't get a hold of... of uh, an actual store that sells it. Yeah, or if you search, do a Google search with my name, it's the first thing that comes up. That's Ted with two Ds. Correct. For a double dose of that Pippin. <laughs> T to the E to the double D. <laughs> but, uh, so, and you also, lately you've been trying to get it, uh, you, well, you've been pitching it to agents. Uh, actually, I've been, I pitched it to one agent and, uh, two producers now. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, the as because I've been doing the indie comic thing since two thousand and two, uh, and I remember locally around two thousand and two, Vernon Smith and myself and another guy were like the only guys that were doing indie comics around here. And over the course of time and just learning more about the industry, and I learned that really for any kind of money. The uh, the comics are only going to make you so much. It's just it's actually going into media is where the future. Any kind of if I want to make a living off of this book is where it's got to go. So a uh, good friend of my wife, uh, Vanessa, she works in Hollywood and she uh, she actually is, did work on um, the last Star Trek movie. The was it the Darkness movie? Yeah, Star Trek and the Darkness. Yeah, she did actually both. She worked on both of those movies, but she actually officially got credited on the second one. But uh, she does a lot of continuity editing and stuff like that. She's done work with Nickelodeon shows, and she's the one that actually hit me up to trying to start pitching it to uh, producers and uh, and seeing if I can't get it produced as a cartoon. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I've been doing, and... And you, you actually uh, were we're all in the New Orleans Drink and Draw Society, and you share the there's basically there's a form that he fills out, and and the producer or agent whoever it may be that's looking at it sort of reviews it and says uh, I'm interested or I'm not interested and why or why not, and yep. some of them <laughs> I, there was one in particular that tripped me out. They I, didn't I, even read it. Hmm? Where they didn't even read it. No, it's there's been a couple. That the responses me out. aren't necessarily logical. Like there's one I want to say it was an agent. And that's probably why I went straight for agent, who said, "Man, love this book. Super cool. Uh, very interesting. I don't know who's going to want to buy this though." So I, yeah, that was the agent. And the thing that trips me out about that it's 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 frustrating in that. I mean, not so much for me, except that you're my friend. I guess we'll hold for a second. Okay. <laughs> We're actually recording live in the, the comic book store, folks, so 
So we're going to hold that thought. I know this is weird, but it's M-Hog, so... Yeah. It's like that's and we can always happens. edit this part out. Clutch? The dead silence. Oh, no, I'm totally keeping this on. <laughs> because it's weird. We'll just get okay. back to the thought. Yeah, uh, no, I say keep on going, because it's, you know, it's just Fletch. He's just answering right. a million For Jason? question of how many Deadpool comics do you guys have. Yeah, he'll probably be busy, so I'll, I'll just finish my Yeah, thought. definitely. So, uh, so it's frustrating because... If if the guy said, I, I read it, it was cool, but I just don't really get it, that I understand. But as an agent or whoever, a producer, if you tell me that really liked your work, it's really cool, it's very interesting, it's different, then you can't go and say, I don't know who, who's going to buy this. Because if you're willing to buy it, that means, obviously, someone will. You can't just assume that, that no one else will. So all that tells me is that you're not very good at your job because yeah. you just don't know how to pitch something except that's your job. Right, yeah, and uh, like I said, that you know, kind of bouncing and talking things to Vanessa because she works in the industry um, has been helpful in understanding some of their responses and terminology that they're using and stuff. So, yeah, it's... And you and I have talked about it as well, is that the reality was in that guy's case is that he just didn't know where to sell it because he probably didn't have the connections there to sell it. So, you know. Okay, well, that makes a little more and, sense. And, but, well, no, what you're saying makes sense in terms of that's actually the correct answer he should have used. Not that he didn't know, because some of his responses were that it was really dark and he didn't know any studios that did things that, that would do things like this, mm-hmm. this kind of dark and. Blah 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 blah. But he, um, what he, the reality of what he was saying and reading between the lines was that he just didn't have the connections mm. to um, to sell it, and that's fine. Just admit it. But you know, I had to kind of do some digging and talking to some people to uh, figure out that that's what he was really saying without saying it. So yeah, man, he should have been a little more straightforward with his answer rather than right. kind of blanket. Because the other side of it is, like, you, you've often pitched it as kind of a, uh, it's got a little bit of Hit Girl from Kick-Ass mm-hmm. with, with the Matilda character. Because we've seen, not that Matilda and Hit Girl are similar characters, but they're both small, chilled, cute children who have an adult edge. Yeah, with an adult edge. They use a variety of weapons, they kill very hyper-violently, and they have uh, an adult language, um... Uh, and mannerisms about them. So, yeah. And then you have Adult Swim, which is kind of because I, I believe you said that animated is where you feel like this needs to go. Yeah, yeah, I just don't see it as live action. I mean, I just see it as, you know, this animated black and white cartoon. And uh, the last, the guy that's currently looking at it now, um, he works for Energy Entertainment, which I haven't been able to track it. How, but Energy Entertainment is somehow responsible for uh, Deadpool and a bunch of other shows, TV shows like Bates Motel. And and, uh, his response to it, which I think is probably one of the more accurate ones that I've gotten so far, and that was, you know, he understood the comparisons that I was making, that I was drawing it to in the tagline. He understood... um, the cartoon that it you know that it was supposed to be uh, a cartoon so he he seems to get it so far so i'm really kind of interested in seeing what he thinks of the pilot script so we'll see yeah it's i mean hollywood they call it hollywood for a reason it's it's a weird place where i mean some of it so much of it is driven by like egos and people with short sight you know, depending on the, the era, really. Right, you know. yeah, and rolling it back to the whole Deadpool kind of thing was that, you know, it's now no secret that they had it, and they kept saying, or I say they, the studio had it, and they kept their response for not moving on it was they didn't know what to do with it. And that comes from that whole concept of vision, and it's you just need to have that one person that not only gets the product but is excited about the product and has the vision and that they can either see the same vision as you and see how they can make it a reality or they can contribute to that vision to achieve the same goal. 
of making it a reality. So uh, and is not afraid to leak the trailer early so people can see it and be excited about it. Well, you know, it's that whole audience testing thing. I mean, that's I worked twenty three years in advertising and marketing, and that's what you do. That's the easiest nowadays. It's the easiest uh, way to do a test audience poll and see what they think of it. Well, the the biggest issue with it is like it seems like metaphorically speaking it's like they're all standing around uh, uh, a uh, mirage or what they believe to be a mirage like a little oasis mm-hmm. and they're like ah oh, that's not that's not a real oasis that's not and they're just waiting for one person to do it and then one person does and they're like oh no no now we all need it and the oasis becomes polluted like almost instantly because now all of a sudden you have like Deadpool successful so they're literally saying that the Blu-ray of Batman vs. Superman will be R-rated. I treated, I kind of view it as a, a lot like the the scene at the bridge in the Holy Grail where uh, John Cleese asks the question, he gets across easy, and then all of a sudden everybody is like, oh, well, we can all answer the questions too. And, it, it, and I equate it to that because it really is very comical and almost sad, but uh, very comical in terms of, that kind of approach is that, you know, one person does it and it turns out to be easier than they thought. And then all of a sudden everybody's tripping over themselves trying to go do the same thing because they think it's going to be just as easy. And they find out, well, no, the first guy or girl that did it actually had a lot of work that they had to do to get it done. And they took the risks and, uh, and it succeeded. So of all things, I equate the success of Deadpool in terms of how studios view R-rated product uh, is a lot like how uh, they approached the bridge in the Holy Grail. I don't think it was even the fact that it was rated R. It was just a very well thought out concept that was executed perfectly. It's Yeah, it's that combination of vision when somebody's got a really tight script and then it's combined with people that are in positions of authority and power that they can make these things happen they can you know green light things they can hire production companies directors whatever they have the connections to do it and uh yeah it's when you have a really well-written script and then it's paired up with people that can make things happen it really is a it really is a chemistry set it's why uh, deadpool is so successful it had a really good storyline but it was paired with production companies and directors and actors that all part of the chemical mix made it work. Conversely, on the flip side of that, uh, the first, second Punisher movie with Thomas Jane, you know, it was like it, it was went through a studio that could put directors and put actors attached to it, but it had a really bad script and a really bad director. So, and kind of a bad cinematographer as well. So, it, it, it just, well, you know, it's part I, of the chemistry uh, set. After Deadpool, I wrote a piece on BSIComics.com about... And it's not limited to Hollywood. We see this a lot with comic books, uh, or rather the mainstream comic book industry. Like, for any creative endeavor that functions as a business, not, not like Matilda where you're doing it yourself, but, but functions as a business, there's two elements to it. There's the creative side, and there's the financial side. And for it to really work, I feel like you need about 60% creative in, char- in charge and 40% financial, because if you... You need financial to sort of ground the creative people and say, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do this, because it's, it. you need someone to sort of rein them in. You right. Know, you need somebody who's good with not just numbers, but with the, uh, for lack of a better word, the scaffolding of story structure. Mm-hmm. But you do need a person who's creative who understands, like, like, we need to take this risk and here's why, because financial people do not understand risk. Financial people hate risk. And that's, that's why you get so many movies that are all paint-by-numbers. All rom-coms essentially in the same. They never end with the chick going, you know what, this is a horrible relationship. We will not be together in two weeks. I'm going to move on with my life. You should probably do the same. Because no, no one, one, wants, to no one wants to tell that real story, yeah. you know? Um, How the notebook should have ended. Exactly, yeah. Well, I blame that <laughs> the on... The notebook ended in death. What's wrong with that? That's as real as it gets. Well, I mean, I... I've always said that that's, you know, how the impact of Disney on popular culture is that, you know, people grew up, you know, they want the storybook happy ending. And enough people, 
uh, equate uh, movies as escapism entertainment. So for them, that's what they want to do. They want to escape the, the reality that is that, you know, no, the girl wound up going with the, the other guy and, you know, because you suck. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's good stuff, too. It's just that, like, the fact that no one in Hollywood or very few people are willing to take a risk and say, well, why don't we try it this way? Well, I I equate it in terms of, because I can understand it from doing what little on the business side that I do for Matilda, in terms of uh, it's not that new of a model. That's a model that's been going back, uh, geez, you know, to the record industry um, in the 50s, is that anyone that is about to spend money on an investment wants that assurance everybody wants that security of it you know if someone says uh hey you know could you uh put ten dollars could you loan me ten dollars so that i can get my book out you know on a kickstarter or something like that that uh it's the expectation is before i pull out my wallet i'm going to want some assurances that i'm going to get my return of investment well multiply that ten dollars you know with about six more zeros behind it that's why you see them taking the safe path and using the similar formulas is because, you know, they want to return on their investment too. And unfortunately, some people don't take risks like right. that. So the problem with that, that is, movie that just came out the, with the gods or something like that? Uh, the oh, Egypt, God, gods, gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt. Basically 300. Cookie like, cutter. Down to the star. Big action movie. Yeah. And how much did it make? I don't know. A couple of bucks. Negative. It's negative it bucks. Yeah, they they like it actually doesn't look like three hundred story wise. It's just visually and with the star. But you looked at it and you just went. Eh, okay. It didn't excite me. As it a was star. a massive failure. I mean, you remember what the budget was on it? Was it like a three hundred million or something? Something like that. And it was projected open a weekend and do seventeen million. Yeah, it just didn't look like an exciting movie. You know, and yeah, it's just that sometimes when the now Lionsgate, who I think did that movie. They seem to be very much into, as far as their projects go, assessment. Uh, so they seem to assess their formulas well. And they, from, from all accounts that I've been reading, some of the trades that I follow, is that uh, they they didn't take that loss lightly. That they are kind of refining how they look at some of their projects and how their stories are developed. And uh, a lot of the blowback that they were receiving in terms of that, you know, it was set... In Egypt, that there is very few, very few uh, leads in, of color, and that the story looked really awful. So I don't know. Hopefully, that they take it as a lesson. Like a five-second controversy, which is actually in this case understandable that all the leads were white in the story of Egypt. Which you know, like people tend to forget their problem that there definitely were like not white people, but fairer-skinned people back then, but. Just the fact that it's a story of Egypt and Gerard Butler is a star. <laughs> but exactly. the, the hilarious part about that is no one cared about Gods of Egypt, so even that controversy lasted all of a second. Right. If the movie was more successful, then that would have been... I wouldn't uh, say it's a controversy big. as much as just a really poor decision. Yeah, very bad oversight. And Lionsgate even came out and owned it. You know, Now the director is you know defending it vigorously, but Lionsgate is like, yeah, that's a huge oversight on their part. So that's what I'm saying in terms of at least they hopefully that uh, it sends a message in terms of how they assess um, their Never the properties. Never movies about Egypt. Yeah, exactly. Don't make movies about Egypt. So, uh, no, I just, you know, I was watching some of the scenes of it, and I'm willing to suspend disbelief if it's a really good story. But, you know, stuff when you have, like, the giant monster that's chasing you and it's busting up all the scenery around you and stuff like that, you're still somehow able to run ahead of it and not get thrown away by the impact of any kind of explosion in terms of the monster going in and out of the ground. Well, he's a god. Well, you know, I don't think that was the whole thing. It's in the title, Ted. (laughs) No, I think he was the... I think he was like a. I don't think he was supposed to be one of the gods, if I remember what the story uh, was. I don't, I don't care. I didn't go see it. I didn't watch it. It went in and out of theaters. And there's a lot of stuff just rushing through. I actually really want to see uh, London. London has fallen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that. I've people aren't really that. talking about it. I don't know if it's going to stay in theaters. It's the first one. Olympus has fallen is just Die Hard. Right. Yeah. It's 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 maybe the most shameless ripoff of Die Hard you will ever see in your life. There's no pretense. It's just 
this is Die Hard. Watch they it. Just, yeah, they just couldn't call it Die Hard. They just couldn't secure the, the rights to it. It's Olympus all. Hard. Exactly. So, uh, uh, so yeah, I saw it in London. Uh, I saw the promo for it. I forgot. I think it was at Deadpool that we saw it. Um, that, uh, that yeah, I was like, oh, wow, you know, that's pretty much just continuing the whole Olympus has fallen. Now it's London's falling, and they're both diehard. What did so, y'all think about Deadpool? Just out of curiosity. Were we just we were just talking about that? Well, not it, we were talking about it as an intellectual property and how it got made, but not our actual thoughts on the movie. I liked it. I mean, I thought they I could see where they had to kind of clean it up a lot so that people would get it. But um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. A pretty near perfect, uh, like we said before, execution of a concept. I'm sorry, I'm going to pause you right there because you, you have this intellectual response, but when you got into that theater, your text to me wasn't, it's pretty well executed. It your, your response was. was, I have a huge erection right now. Which is the same thing. Uh, well, I mean, if it's done right, then uh, having a huge erection means that uh, whatever the actions were to cause a huge erection mean they were pretty well executed. Because let's let's be fair, all of us that have read Deadpool comics and like Deadpool for the character, not just because it's the cool thing to do, we were all a little worried it was going to be super hokey. Well, yeah, but we're like we're like that with just about any of the any time we hear that they're going to take a comic, anything we hold precious, exactly, <laughs> and I, and put it up there. I can tell you this: I got sent the original script for this, which it might be very close. I didn't I didn't finish reading the script to a felony. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's probably pretty close to the to the the shooting script, just because this is a movie that kind of sat on hold for three years or whatever it was. But I read that opening scene with the, you know, the tumbling and all that. And I remember reading it and just going, "This is like a Deadpool parody. This is this is pretty awful." Now again, it's probably very similar. So the execution with the actors and the people involved, you know, it's it's like it's like comedy. Like you can take a bad joke if the right person knows how to how to tell it, you can make it work. Um, for me, like. I, I almost feel like when people call me a hater, sometimes things like this, I'm like, maybe I am. I, I liked the movie. I didn't think it was nearly as funny as everyone else did. I, I had There were a few moments where I did laugh out loud that I thought were hilarious. But mostly I was just like, this is pretty good. Yeah, it was an enjoyable movie. That was pretty much my approach to it as well, was that um, you know, I thought it was an enjoyable movie. I, you know, When it comes out, I'll buy it. And uh, I'll watch it again. But you know, I laughed out at, loud at some of the parts uh, too. But... Overall, that's why I kind of refer to it in terms of that. Even though it had an R rating, I could totally see, though, how they cleaned up a lot with the character and the whole romantic side and anti-hero, uh, anti-hero thing. Um, oh, they made it into a love story. Yeah, they, they totally did. And, and it, that's one of the reasons that it worked was, like, you took, like, a very callous, silly concept like Deadpool and you actually gave it an emotional core, which... Mm -hmm. Sometimes people don't understand that, or comic book fans, like, well, it's not just like the comic book. It's like, well, okay, well, some things don't work. You know, like, we, we got, uh, you know, Fletch and I are trying to do video content now, and we were talking about Infinity War. Wait, did we talk about that on there? No, we didn't. I'm sorry, I was talking with someone else about that. Um, <laughs> look, I have a lot of conversations about these things with people, but most my concern with Infinity War... Most are in your War, head, so, you know. Yes. There's a lot of voices. Uh... With Infinity Wars, like there's there's so many characters and people are like Guardians of the Galaxy needs to be in Infinity War two with the Avengers and they can be a Super Avengers and I'm like no it's Sweet a movie Jesus <laughs> it's no a movie way. that that sounds horrible like, well it's you can like, do that in a comic book you can't do that in a movie well it's like one of the things I noticed about Deadpool was the fourth wall breaking became narrative and not him mm -hmm. whereas in the books it's he's like staring at the reader and he's um and he's talking. Uh -oh. And they only made or like a brief kind of reference to it in the book, or rather in the movie. But uh, in the books, they've done like some really interesting things where they show what he looks like from the other characters that are around him. And he looks like he's talking to himself mm -hmm. because he's supposed to be insane. And uh, so I noticed that in terms of the movie is that they cleaned up that whole fourth wall breaking that everyone talked about that was what Deadpool was, and they turned it into narrative. It wasn't him looking at us. It wasn't Ryan Reynolds very few times looking at the camera and telling us what was going on. 
So uh, that's where I was kind of coming with it in terms of that, uh, yeah, they really made it a lot. They cleaned it up, really put the romance element into it that people can relate to. But they also cleaned up that whole the whole fourth wall thing so he didn't look as crazy. He was just a funny guy. What I'm really curious about is, like, I don't know. Have you all seen uh, Men in Tights recently? No. I mean, I, I, I saw a guy that. that he was looking for change on that the corner, but was he fun. wasn't in tights. He's got the tights I mean, on right He had now. his underwear on the outside of his pants. It's got so. a demon bear on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw Men in Tights, I want to say, like, three months ago. and Robin I Men in Tights? Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yeah. Oh, man, I love that movie. Well, I saw it, uh, I guess, about three months ago, and I, I've always loved that movie, but it doesn't hold up. And the main, reason, does. it doesn't, and the main reason it doesn't, the main reason that it doesn't hold up is because there's so many they don't pop make culture references. Anymore. Well, they're dated pop culture references. Yeah, and I, like when I'm watching Deadpool. Spaceballs has it, too, where it's just... Yeah, but I think Spaceballs still has... Maybe it's just because Star Wars is so much at the forefront. Right, but it still it has the same thing. Not as many as Men in Tights, but mm-hmm. it still has the same issue in terms of all a lot of the pop pop culture jokes dead. are dated. Yeah, and uh, and those of us who get them have heard them so many times. I still laugh hysterically at Men in Tights. I'm just saying, like when I look at Deadpool, there are a number of sort of like you know, like I love the little bit about is it McAvoy or Stewart, but right. whereas say, X-Men First Class, 20 years down the line, I think will definitely <laughs> hold up, even though that's not a comedy, you know. I feel like Deadpool, it's like, why are you making, you know, that's... I just wonder, well, like... that's one like of the ones I up. think that's... Because they, they're... I say they, in terms of Marvel and how it's approaching its properties, are throwing in stuff into their scripts that are the guineas that are for the nerds. Like, for example, and when I went to go see it, I went to go see it with my wife, and she's never read a Deadpool comic in her life. So, yeah, exactly. Mrs. Boogie. So, that whole reference that you're just talking about, she totally didn't get it. I had to explain it to her. Because that reference was written for me. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this in terms of how animation goes. Like, uh, when they started writing cartoons, cartoons were meant for adults. They were meant not for kids. They were meant for adults because they were the in-between so that you could go back out to the concession stands or whatever. But then they started writing them for kids, and so adults had to sit through these things that were written directly for an audience that was not for them. Then fast forward to about eh, the 80s, 90s, they start writing cartoons, and they start delving into 3D animation where a lot of the jokes now are written because they know that it's the parent sitting right next to the kid, so you got to have something that keeps the parent engaged as well as the child. So I really think that they're approaching a lot of these superhero type properties with that, that they're going to write stuff in there that you're going to sit there as a, as a geek that's read it and knows what they're talking about, but then you're going to have our wives who are like, what was that? What did they mean by that? I'll but tell still you enjoyed the exactly. overall. And then when I explain, but the funny thing is, is when I explained the joke to her, she got it. She was right. just like, oh, she still has not seen those X-Men movies, but she understood the joke and thought it was funny afterwards. Because so, she's seen trailers where Patrick Stewart was, was one. Was nope, she has not seen the trailers or any of it. Really? Yeah, my wife, until I came along, she has not watched really any of the, of the cartoon movies. Now Falcon is her favorite, is her favorite character. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if I put in... And the comics is horrible. Oh, no, I love it in the comics. I wish he would go back more to his pimping background. Yes. So, um, but, uh, so yeah, when I explained to her the concept of Joe... That pimp claw strong. Hell yeah, man. So, uh, so yeah, she got it afterwards, and she acknowledged, she was like, oh, yeah, ah, that was funny. So, um, so yeah, I, that's what I'm saying is, I think they're, they're better with some of their, their subtleties into it. Whereas Men in Tights, you know, it's just the some. They're still funny to me because I was there. But you know, my son watches it; he's not going to get a lot of the jokes it's a either. Right. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I still enjoy that movie. It's just like I don't think I don't think you can put the word timeless to it. <laughs> right, and I'm, but of course that it's is the timed. trick of comedy as opposed to something else. But um, couple weeks. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed Deadpool, but. I guess I just sort of felt like 
everyone else was just like, this is so amazing. And I, I, and I always feel like I'm being a downer, even though I'm not. No, I'm I, totally I like I'm right there with you because I kept saying the same thing. It's like, it's all right. It's all right. And they're like, really? It was amazing. It's like, well, you know, yeah, it was cool, and I enjoyed it, and it was funny and everything like that. But that whole fourth wall thing kept sticking to me, and I understand why they did it, and I agree that that's what they had to do. But, you know, it still just didn't get me... You know, where I was just, like, jumping and screaming at the, like 14, the screen. 15, 16, well, I, uh, we have a uh, friend, uh, Hannibal the Beat Animal, who uh, hasn't been on the show in many, many, many moons, who uh, he kept posting on Facebook going, like, oh, this is the best comedy in, like, the last 20 years. And I'm just like, I don't even think, I really don't think it would even go in, like, my top Deadpool? 10. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think I think I, if I sat down, I could probably make a list of like thirty movies. In the I last think my years. favorite part about that is like you were saying, some of my favorite properties are accessible from different angles. So you can be the complete comic book nerd, like it. You can have no knowledge of Deadpool prior, go in, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my wife had never read a Deadpool comic, had no idea of Deadpool, and she really enjoyed it. There's yeah. there's a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, when I was pitching the Matilda script to the first um, producer, that was one of her questions was in terms, she asked, and I thought it was a solid question. She was like, I know this is based off of a comic book. Do I have, do I have to have read the comic book in order to get the show? And so I told her, no. I specifically was writing it so that you could come on to, you could come into the show and enjoy the show, but I was also writing it for things and references in there so that people that have read the book will know what I'm talking about. So, uh, so yeah, I kind of borrowed a page from how Marvel was doing it without even realizing it in terms of just understanding that i got to appeal to two audiences here. And I think, really, that when you're dealing with something that has a lot of history like this, it's got to have that in there. I mean, it's kind of like watching the original Star Trek series and when they went to the animated series, and in the animated series they were making references to stuff that had happened in the original series. Or they, or in the original series they referred to characters that were part of the Enterprise before Kirk and Spock were that then show up in the animated series. So the nerds get all excited about that because that's written for you. That's like they're paying attention to me and they're telling me, this they're giving me this and thank you for giving me this but for everybody else it's going to be like okay well you know that's a new character that i just got to follow and you know hopefully he's written well that they're excited by it my little brother posted on facebook uh, uh, an image of the howard the duck movie which i don't know how many people realize this is the first marvel comic book character movie yep or big screen anyway. big screen yeah and uh he posted he's like george lucas his first flop Deservedly, <laughs> it was and a flop. Yeah, it did. It did not make money, and it was considered George Lucas's first flop. Oh, and man. I said, "Yeah, supposedly this guy's making a comeback." I was like, "No, no, it's not. <laughs> Disney is not releasing a Howard the Duck movie." Uh, Howard the Duck is loved yet. by his target audience. Exactly, and right, it's a very niche audience, really. A small part of that character is making fun of Donald the Duck. It's a parody. Like, not well, totally, but... No, but the other thing of it was uh, that it was making fun of comics, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Um, a little bit of everything. It's, yeah. it's, it's sociopolitical. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, like, uh, one of the best classes I took uh, in animation was uh, uh, this animation history course, and it talked about the legal stuff that was going on between uh, Disney at the time and Marvel Comics in terms of how Howard the Duck looked. Um, so uh, I remember I remember a lot of that, and that it was finally resolved when Lucas released his film that he had to, basically, hand to God, it was the shape of his head. That was the sticking point, was that he was drawn to look just like Donald the Duck, and that was what Disney's grievance was, and they settled it by the shape of his head. So that's why you see the shape of his head, the way it looks in the Howard the Duck movie, and the way it looks at the end of Garden's Galaxy, it looks similar to that. They had to change the shape of his head so that it did not look, that and the, and the, the side of his Donald bill. The, duck in, like, like, in a side-by-side the two seconds that he was in Guardians of the Galaxy was more Howard the Duck like the comics than the entire, <laughs> entire movie yeah. was. So, uh, well, yeah, he didn't jump... Duck for us? Yeah, he didn't no. play a guitar duck solo. They're delicious. And, uh, 
But uh, yeah, it was hysterical, and I, and I I think that that was one of the probably the most excited things I liked about Guardians of the Galaxy. But that was total end. fan service. Oh yeah, it was totally. You know, but yeah, my little brother was like, yeah, he's making a comeback. I'm like, no. No, that's never going to happen. There will never be it's another funny, Power of the like, Dog movie. It's uh, funny when there's an inkling of something in a movie, how the, the comic book people come in and are like, oh, do you have the, the first Howard the Duck? I'm like, why do you want that? <laughs> yeah, because clearly you don't understand what it, what it is. Well, so. I, I was just on comicbookspeculator.com, and they uh, <laughs> said this is going to be the new movie. It's coming right with right after Black Panther, right? <laughs> because, uh... Hey, how's it going? Hey. Um, for you. Long boxes. Oh yeah. Can I purchase two? Yeah, because I'm thinking of. Um, oh man, I can't. I, you know, I'm drawing a blank on the site, but I, I know I hate them so much because they do all this speculative stuff. Oh, there's so many of them. Yeah, but there's this one like uh, when the second Avengers movie came out, they did this big, huge uh, deal where um, the guy that was breaking the story, they were doing, they were filming him in front of Marvel's offices when they were still in New York, and he was doing this whole thing about um, uh, that the second Avengers movie was going to be World War Hulk. And they were showing all this evidence that they had for it, and blah, blah, Didn't blah, blah. Latino Review? Latino Review, that's who it was. I can't stand those guys. In terms of their speculative stuff, is that they throw the stuff out there, and uh, then it turns out to be total... Right. You know, and here's watch. the thing, like, some of that's, like, because the, the way this works is there's this huge industry of people whose jobs are to blog news. But the problem is, like, somebody meets, you know, some production assistant or, or a, a, the lowest bottom secretary, and somebody was walking by talking about Avengers and, like, oh, you know what's really good? That, that comic, World War Hulk. Yeah, somebody just called and so, we might be getting that, uh, that one statement yeah. gets turned into a rumor. And and it's it's the game of, uh, what is it, Whispers? Yeah. Where it goes from person to person. And all of a sudden, now, like, Latino Review says, well, Werewolf Hark is a credible source. Well, I think a lot of it is also in terms of, and I really cite a lot of it with the the technology age in terms of that someone says that this source has told them this and this source is close to the main source of it but they can't prove it and they won't prove it mm. so it's the equivalent of clickbaitish, i guess but uh that's where the safety net is is that because that's how they make their money is getting people to click on the right. links and stuff like that that they can throw anything out there that has zero substance and just say a source close to me said this and then all they got to do is shrug their shoulders and say oh well the source was wrong you're talking I mean, about bleeding cool no well no uh, I was talking about Latina Ravina uh, okay. but on the comics end what that leads to is like all kinds of speculators <laughs> like oh I got to get a hold of those early issues of World War Hulk <laughs> which you know if, if you, you're trying to get rid of issues of World War Hulk that's awesome but it also helps create that that bubble yeah so so that's why you know you guys are having a tear on howard the duck back issues because it's it's gonna be the next movie except not it's gonna be on like netflix is where it's gonna be that would probably work pretty well it'd be a howard the duck uh, like a full house style kind of thing (laughs) that that would be pretty awesome that would be awesome i'd watch that howard the duck and stephanie's tanners yeah i'd watch that so, not, not a crossover, it's just a... <laughs> why not? Creative reimagining. I'd watch that. Well, like, like yeah. Those, those, I, those are the years that you didn't see of Stephanie's life when she was a party girl. <laughs> <laughs> she was hanging with Howard, Howard the Duck, yeah. So, uh, so no, it's... Uh, and Howard the Duck isn't... That was, yeah, like you said, I think that's a 100% accurate. That was a fan service, and that was written for the fans. But uh, it's, it's going to suffer the same thing that all the properties... Are going to suffer the more complex uh, that they get because you know Deadpool and all those guys they were born out of a writer trying to do something different and uh, so that's the same with Howard Duck until Disney wraps their head around not only what is this about but then well how can we make this a profitable enterprise and then no he's just going to be referred to and that's about it 
I really don't think you'll we'll, we'll see him again for, for if <laughs> not my lifetime. I don't think I'll ever see him again in my life. But but I'm glad for the little bit that I got. That so. ended up with a. I think it's doing pretty well. The Howard the Duck comic by Chip well. Zdarsky. Yeah. You know that that's what resulted from it was like one. You know James Gunn was like I want to put this character in there and. You know, on the comic side, you benefit. Right, and the other side is, you know, that's what you get when you have someone that understands, you know, the vision. And, you know, James Gunn, you know, understands, he understands comics, he's a fan of comics, and so he, he could get that reference. Whereas most of them, you see, they say, oh, I'm a fan of comics, but eh, they're not. They re- they read them, but, you know, they're, they're not a nerd about it, and James Gunn is. So he knew that that would be the cool thing to do, mm-hmm. so, and it would make sense. How you doing today? Good. We're recording a podcast live in store. He sent you the voicemail. Actually, it stopped recording. I just had to hit record oh, again. Right. Probably not. I got I got a phone call because we're recording on my phone. Oh no! I can almost guarantee it's not important. <laughs> we have we have customers present, so I don't want to speculate on what it probably is about. The best part is yesterday we had that transformer. How to draw a transformers class? Oh, Musso. And uh, he had to turn off his iMessage. So Jason, uh, his wife, his wife took his computer. So we needed right. my computer to do the the streaming. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, this could end really horribly. This could end with small children yeah. scarred for life. So I had to figure out how to Tell talk, turn off. Thank you. I had to start figure out how to turn off iMessage so that I wouldn't get a uh, photo of genitalia. <laughs> You're both former students. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. That's cool. There's a, they bought a, they were the one that came in and they were like, this is Mr. Wally's book. I'm like, Mr. Who the fuck is Mr. Wally? <laughs> who the fuck is Mr. Wally? Yeah, I get that a lot. So, uh, I'm sorry about it. Go ahead. So. From your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife. When you unlock your phone and Dusty Rhodes theme song is on. No, no nice. but it was, it was pretty fun. I like it. <laughs> it was pretty funny. We had to turn off iMessage. Because, and then he and I, as Robbie's teaching the class, are texting each other horrible pictures of Transformers and various Fallacies. sex acts. And uh, and I was, it, it, part of me, I don't know why I didn't register. Part of me was thinking, like, I really hope iMessage is off. And I really hope iMessage is off. And I was like, oh, yeah, it clearly isn't because I haven't seen a giant robot penis on screen. I kept trying to zing him with it, you know, man, I hope Robbie's going to show us how to draw, like, what was it, Acid Storm or something like that. Yeah. Oh, we, we brought it up. <laughs> we, we brought it up. We got it. We brought it up. He, he doesn't get it. He, no, he doesn't get it. That's, that's okay. Uh, it's funny, though, like, one call from Laddie, and all of a sudden, Imhaw goes from, like, this is, like, serious discussion about art, and all of a sudden, it's, like, robot penis. Well, that's that's how you got He's, roll, he's a jet, just like Starscream, but he's green. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to do it in black and white. <laughs> I hate to say that. That's that's a left artist thinking, left-handed artist thinking. So, yeah, it's it's their adorable little mistakes. I, you know, God bless them for trying to be like us normal right-handed people. <laughs> wait, wait, is Laddie God's adorable? <coughs> well, Laddie in general is one of God's little mistakes, but um, you know, it's he was born in a world that he didn't create. So it's so he created his own world. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, I, th- I think they're. I think they're going good in terms of as far as um, being able to handle. I think if anything, on the surface, it looks like the Deadpool and stuff like that is like greenlit R movies. But as a lot of people were pointing out, you know, the Blade movies were all that was you know Marvel's first R-rated movies, and they did well. So uh, I think it's just showing, if anything, that there's going to be some people that approach it. And approach these properties, but there's got to be something that they can not only understand because they're not fans of it, uh, so they're not going to get a lot of the inside of what makes that property so popular. But uh, there's the other side that you know they got to be able to make money off of it, right? And uh, yeah, as a business guy, I'd be the first to say that's it's usually a driving force uh, for me. It's why I did Wizard World was because David Art said. We'd like to have you at our table. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it because I knew I wasn't going to make any money out. You had a. Oh, you go to Wizard World? Not anymore. <laughs> what about uh, the other conventions out here, like MechaCon? No, MechaCon was a piece of shit. Really? Oh, what was wrong? Well, I didn't make any money. Oh, nice. Because that's not the audience that was there yeah, for it. Sure. So, from a business standpoint, it's a lot of cosplay, and that's not the target audience for a look. They're not looking for my product. So, oh. 
Well, and he's again. not specifically saying that MechaCon is a horrible convention. What he's saying is that, like... No, and, I mean, and I work this, with it, and, and when people have complaints, you never tell them. So I say, tell me about it, and I'll tell them what the complaints are. No, nah, <laughs> it's good for the target audience yeah. that it has, but they should not be trying to pitch and get uh, local artists and indie comic artists to set up there because the crowd there, and I'm, I tell you this again because <laughs> I spent 23 years working in advertising and marketing. Mm-hmm. The audience that goes there is not going there to look for the latest independent comics. They're looking for all the cosplay stuff and all the anime stuff, which mm-hmm. is fine. So, again, artists like me, artists like Fletch, you know, we're not going to really sit up there. Robbie Musso is going to do well. Why? Because... He works in the industry that they are looking for. They yeah. are actually looking for anyone who does 3D rendering because they're working on a huge project and they need someone who can do ships and things like that. And Amy, not me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, good luck with that. But if you know anybody, <coughs> steer them to the uh, site because they definitely need that. Sure. Cool. Okay. I'll keep an ear out. Because this year is going to be a game changer that they're going to release some information about something huge they're changing. It's all top secrets for now, but, like I said, they're looking for people who do 3D animation. They're starting their own Mighty Morphin Power Rangers team. <sighs> oh, as long as they're anatomically correct, that's all I they're want. They're opening a Pokemon gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, by anatomically correct, you mean both girls have to have the skirt unitards or what? No, that they all have their genitals intact. Oh, that's okay. what I want. So, uh, well, so the no if yeah, the Green Ranger, he's got a, it's you know, it's got to be like down to his knee at least. Yeah, That's when I when I went to MechaCon this past year, that was, that was the only time I went. And yeah, it's the, a fun con. I enjoyed I enjoyed right. the convention it's just attendance. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's the same thing with Wizard World. And like I said, it's kind of going back to the business of it. Is Wizard that, World should be the target audience, though. It should just be. Not. <laughs> but Wizard World is just you know they are a pop culture event. So Money grab. Yeah, money grab. So, I mean, it's, it's a, essentially just a machine at this point. They, they don't really care what goes in and out of Wizard World. All I know is when Wizard World came down to uh, New Orleans and started setting up, you know, they, you know, I used to hear from them on a regular basis. Now I can't, I can't get, uh, what was her name? Uh, she's still on my phone. Which one do you have? Because I'll, I'll show you the one I had. Because <laughs> I had. I'll a, show you mine if you show me yours. I had a straight nightmare time. They put up the wrong bio. They put up the wrong oh, no. name. I was like, that's not the name I, I go by. Yeah. Mina Jones. That's who used to call me a lot. And I've got one here for... I know, uh, you're, I know you're a listener. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Amina Jones. Um, oh, Amina. To, oh, I, I have... No, not... I'll, not, not I have done with her. Yeah, yeah but uh, they used to call me on a regular basis and, uh, you know, help us promote the show and used to do all these really cool stuff for the college students that they volunteer their time for and everything like that. And, you know, now they don't return the calls. So, that's a machine. Card? So, what? Do you have a business nah, card? No, I don't use business cards. No? Just don't. <laughs> use them no one uses them so uh so yeah it's it's and i respect it as a business and that's what their business model is and you know knock knock yourselves out but i'm a business too and so i'm just you know that's why i'm pitching the scripts in terms of trying to communicate to them in their language and understanding of how to get them to wrap their head around the intellectual property and how they can use it like the last guy was talking about that he totally understood how's it going um the, the tagline that came with the script and he was like I totally understand the properties that you're referencing to what well, it lays out see. what's what's going on I think it would lend itself very well to an animated series I think so too yeah. a la Spawn HBO and that's what I you know has been very clear about in the pitch in terms of you know it's gotta be you know a cable comedy it's gotta be like FXX you know it's gotta or run Netflix or something like yeah that. it's got it's gotta run around you know Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something like mm-hmm. that cause that's that audience that's gonna get that and that it can be what it, it it should be and truer to the intellectual property itself. So, <laughs> oh, I miss retail. So, in any case, uh, so yeah, you know, so it's I'm crafting it in terms of so that they can understand the language. So I don't have someone like we were talking about with that the agent, um, and even the first producer that looked at it was that uh, I don't want them to have that kind of Deadpool response of we don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of having to map it out a little bit more. Now that's interesting though because I, I wonder if like now when you when you submit the the pitch to people, if post 
Deadpool now they're because they are looking for more, more adult things. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because when this when, when Energy Entertainment this guy uh, Colin Scully I think his name is mm-hmm. uh, he was like you know yeah I want to I want to take a look at it this this seems pretty good and uh, I've actually changed I'd actually changed the pitch to make the reference to the fourth wall narrative mm-hmm. because that's what the book has is the fourth wall narrative. And I put, you know, the fourth wall narrative uh, in Deadpool, and that was a reference that I made in the description of it. So, uh, again, to help them kind of understand and equate it to a successful property. So that's why I was dropping these comparisons, because the way I was taught, like, when the first Alien movie came out, the tagline for it was, it's Jaws in in space. space. And you got to have that kind of reference so that they can understand not only what it is that you're talking about, but you're equating it to a successful property. Even if you don't get the whole big picture, it connects two things together, and you can be like, okay, I see exactly what this is going on. Yeah, exactly. And and, and it's relating it to uh, a successful property that people can associate to. So now I've modified the pitch because I have a pitch Bible, but the pitch Bible only comes in when you're trying to secure producers for the film, and then you're laying out all the characters, stuff like that. So I've actually modified my pitch so that now, in the two-page pitch, you got to list uh, the tagline in two sentences, and then you got to have a synopsis of what the series is about, and then you have to kind of talk about um, the characters, and then give like some, a synopsis of the pilot script. And so now I've changed it so that by each character the pitch that they will now see will have a drawing of the character. Because I agree with my wife in terms of that something that, again, is going to kind of help them see what we're talking about is that even if they haven't read the book, they can see the characters and they can see the look of the book. Right. That maybe that'll help kind of yeah, you know, yeah, tie it I, all I together for them. at this point, you do kind of have to lead them by the hand when it yeah. comes to anything that's not very simplistic. And, and also, just it's not very... Popular. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm How popular in my local markets, and people know me here, but nobody knows me outside of the state of Louisiana very, very much. Tends to be quiet. So, uh, uh, so yeah, they don't know, you know, what Matilda is, and I can tell them, you know, it's based off of the graphic novel, but they're like, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I've never heard of it. So yeah. the agent was like, you know, oh, can you send me a copy of the book? I'd like to see what the book is. So, uh, well, you know, I mean, M Hog's obviously a you know quote unquote metal show. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and uh, definitely check out VoodooMaverick.com, Comicsology. If you're like again, if you're in New Orleans area, come and get it because uh, I, I feel like Matilda is probably a pretty pretty M Hog comic. It's aight, like Deadpool, kind of aight. You want a print copy though? Yeah. I mean, you just. Well, print but copies again, aren't for the going people anywhere. who aren't near New Orleans. I'm just saying. Well, if they yeah, you know. Get hold of the book. If you can get in a comic shop, absolutely do. But if you can't, you know, like there's there's other avenues. Don't just give up hope. Yeah, so, yeah. I ship copies of the book as well, but uh, I just prefer that uh, people go to the to the shops and support the shops. So uh, they're supporting me by having it. So if you can contact uh, the retailer and uh, ask the ask the local shop, they they do shipping. Or you know, if you're not here, ask your local shop if they'll contact me and buy a copy, and I'll ship it to them. And, They'll roll that cost off onto you. Yeah, if you if your local comic shop is big into like supporting indie creators, like non, you know, I, I mean, you're, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, your uh, IDWs, your Dark Horses, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and obviously smaller publishers, you know, like uh, they might be willing to check out Matilda versus the Forces of the Third Grade. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, synopsis and everything's on the website, and there's actually even free pages of the book on the website, so you can preview the book, and if you like it, then, you know, you buy it, and if not, then you just don't know how it ends, because I didn't put the last eight pages on there for for that purpose, so, uh, so yeah, you know, support you and you guys. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap up the M-Hog show, just because, uh, you know, we get more and more people coming in, and obviously this is a comic book store, not a, not a podcast studio, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, hope y'all enjoyed it. And Ted, you're going to be back in April, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the plan. And then, then that'll be a little more of your uh, what you guys are used to with uh, your M Hog. Yeah, that'll be a little less. Yeah, a little, a little less filtered. We tried. We tried to right. do our best. And I actually like recording in, in a comic shop. It's yeah. just that at some point when people start coming in, 
it's again this is this is a business it's not my place to interrupt anything right. so definitely definitely uh, I, but it does add a certain um real element you know yeah so, so yeah yeah i'm supposed to be back on april so i'm looking forward to that and uh and uh riffing with you guys in and uh all right so uh boogie's busy right now so uh i guess keep it metal yeah keep it metal guys Yeah.